read, when we read about over and over again, we're going to read about these people. We're going to read about Abraham and Isaac and Noah and, and all these people. They're, these are not just stories for us to, wow, let's all be like Noah. You know, let's all, Abraham's a real good guy. Let's be like him. This is God tracing the line of people through whom he will bring forth this seed that is going to fulfill the promise, destroy the curse where there'll be no more death. There'll be no more dying pain, of course, and that, all that's going to happen through Jesus. So when we talk about the flood, we're right in the middle of the flood right here. The flood started in in, uh, in seven, chapter 7. And 7, 8, and 9 is talking about the flood and the effects after the flood. But right in the middle of this section, we're talking about the flood. We're not talking about just, hey, you know, God messed up and he figured, dang, I need to start over and try it again. What we're seeing is God brought forth two lines. Remember, we talked about in chapter 5, the line of Cain, the line of Seth, and the line of Seth were characterized by faith, and that was the seed, the promised line through whom the Messiah would come. And the line of Cain, we talked about it in chapter 5, was the line that they were content with their own works. They were trying to uh, alleviate the effects of the curse by building things and doing... We saw all that in chapter 5. And then in chapter 6, we saw the lines melded together so that everybody started being wicked. And violence was on the earth. There was no given law at this time. So you can just imagine it was like the wild, wild west. And God decided, you know, I'm going to take one man, Noah. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I'm going to just wipe out everything else. He's going to take all the animals. We're going to start over. And we also talked last week about the fact that Noah and the ark is not some little children's story. It was a very terrifying event. It was scary. It would, If you made it into a movie, it'd be a horror movie. Um, there would be bodies floating around in the, you know, it would be terrifying, terrifying to be in all of this. And so it's a picture of salvation and a picture of judgment. If you're in the ark, you are saved perfectly, completely preserved through judgment. Nothing can hurt you. Nothing can happen. God has got you and you're trusting in him. If you're outside the ark, you are condemned. You are judged and death is death has come upon you. So we see both of those truths. And that is a picture. Jesus himself draws a picture of salvation to this event. He said, just as the days of Noah were, he says, it'll be the coming of the son of man. People were marrying, giving in marriage. They were eating, drinking. They were getting up like everything was everything and just a brand new day. And, you know, normal day, go to work, whatever, not knowing that today judgment is going to start. And so what we're going to see here is we've already seen the waters started, uh, the flood started. Where did the waters come from? You remember? From, from the ground and down. From underneath the ground and from the sky. Remember we saw that? The fountains of the deep were burst forth. The water came from there and the, uh, it says the windows of heaven were opened and rain descended and the flood waters were on the earth. They prevailed on the earth and everything died. And so in verse 1 in chapter, I keep thinking we're in 7. We're in 8, right? In chapter 8, it says, this is, okay, the flood is gone. The flood is taking place. It is prevailing on the waters. Noah is inside the ark. And remember what month of the year did Noah get in the ark? The second. the second month. The second month of Noah's 600th year he got in the ark. That's going to be important. It says in verse 1, And God remembered Noah 
and every living thing and all the cattle that was within the ark, God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters aswagged. <laughs> that means prevailed. They, they remained. They were steady on the earth. Um, let me go on and read third. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. Oh no. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated. Abated there means they were receding. That doesn't mean they were gone yet. They were just, they were receding after the uh, the spigot was closed, so to speak. But right at the beginning it says Noah, uh, God remembered Noah. Now does that mean God forgot about Noah? He was so busy working with the flood, he's like, oh dang, Noah, I forgot about this guy. Now every time you see God remembered in scripture, what it means is God is... Um, uh, God's action in being faithful to his covenant. We're going to see it over and over again. God remembered the covenant he made with Abraham. God remembered the covenant he made with Israel when they cried out to him in Egypt. God remembered the covenant that he made. Here when it says God remembered Noah, he's, he's saying God was faithful to the promise that he made Noah. What was the promise that he made? That he would not destroy the earth again. Yeah, well, he hadn't made that yet. That's what he's going to make in this chapter. But he told Noah that he was going to keep him safe, right, through the flood. But that is, that's the covenant that he's going to make in, in chapter 9. He's going to say, I will never again. Is that this chapter? No, it's in that. Yeah, it's in that. That's what I thought. Um, he's going to he's going to promise never to destroy the earth again by flood. He's he's is going to do that. But he promised Noah, you're going to build an ark. And you're going to get into the ark, and I'm going to keep you safe, and I'm going to kill everything else. I'm going to destroy all of mankind. I'm going to destroy all of creation. I'm going to destroy everything that that moves, everything that has the breath of life in it. I'm going to wipe it off the face of the earth. And God remembered Noah. Remember we talked last week about Noah building this thing, this ark. This, this box, this floating rectangle. I mean, it doesn't have a steering wheel, doesn't have a rudder. He's not, Noah is not a great shipman. You know, you'll see that in pictures about Noah's Ark sometimes, like he's a sailor or something. He, he's just hunkered down in the ark, hoping to survive, you know, trusting God. He's not, God is the one that's moving the ark along the waters. God is the one that brings the ark to rest. God is the one that's keeping him safe. Imagine, you know what pitch is? Is that tar that you put on your roof that you used to do on like metal roofs or flat roofs? God, uh, Noah covered the boat in pitch. Can you imagine him when the rain starts and the boat starts lifting off? Him thinking, "Well, I hope I didn't miss a spot." <laughs> you know, how, what if you spring a leak? You know, what if some anything could happen? I, with today's modern tools and modern, you know, if I got Google, I can learn how to do anything. I would still be scared of building a ship with modern stuff and hoping that it would float over a year that I would be stuck in it, you know? Uh, you can imagine, this was Noah trusting God. It was Noah by faith. You know, he, he didn't have any... Sh there, there were no ships. There were no nothing, you know, no rain. No, He was trusting God. And so God it says, God remembered Noah. And he... Um, he, he remembered him uh, the promise that he made. Let me, let me read it to you just in case. In chapter 6, verse 18, 
it says, no, God promised that he would. In verse 18, chapter 6 says, God speaking, he says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wives and thy son's wife. He promised, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. And he's going to do that in chapter 9, after the flood, after all that's over. But he promised him that he would be safe in the ark. And that's a picture for us. Picture for us of salvation, of, of eternal salvation, that we are kept safe. God shut Noah into the ark, and God is the one that Noah's not going to move, take a step outside the ark until God commands him to take a step outside the ark. Noah is going to, we're going to see the deal with the pigeons and all that today, but Noah does not leave the ark even when the earth is dry until God says, and God commanded him to go out of the ark. And so they're secure. They're safe in those things. And it says in the second part of verse 1, God caused a wind to, what is it? God caused, and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters aswagged. The waters began to abate, began to began to go out. The wind, uh, the same, it's interesting to me, this might not be a big deal, uh, but it's interesting to me, the same word that's wind is also spirit. Uh, it's ruach is in Hebrew. It's the same word that's used for wind is used for spirit. I don't, I don't think this is God causing a spirit to flood. It's a wind. I mean, that's what it is. But over and over again, as you see the flood abating and, and everything going back to, back to the way, you know, this new creation, it's almost the language is used. It's almost exactly like the first creation. Remember the spirit hovered over the waters at the very beginning. And uh, the language that he uses here that Moses uses when he's writing this is the same language from the beginning, Genesis chapter one. And so what you're seeing here is, is in, in, is that God is in a sense, recreating. He is making a new creation. It's not recreating as in let there be light and there was light, but he is showing that he has wiped out the old creation and now he is beginning again with this new creation. Noah is kind of like a new Adam. He is like a new, a new start to this creation. All these animals are going to re, they're going to be fruitful and multiply. They're going to, God's going to give them the same commands when they come out of the ark that he gave Adam in the garden. He's going to tell them to be fruitful and multiply, to have dominion over the earth. He's going to, he's going to, it's, it's kind of like a new creation that he is, he is, uh, he's, uh, accomplishing here. God is doing, this is, this is not a freak disaster that happens. It's not a freak disaster that just came and it flooded the earth. And the, uh, the removing of the waters is not just a, well, after a while, they just started evaporating. You know, everything just went back to normal. God is the one who brought the flood. God is the one who retracts the waters. It says the fountains of the deep in verse 2, fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. That is, that is passive. Those are passive verbs. It means they're not the ones doing the action. The one doing the action is God. God is the one who stops up the fountains of the deep. God is the one who restrains the waters from heaven. It's God who is pulling back the flood to begin this, to begin this new creation. The judgment has passed. It's over. It's finished. It's done. And now life is going to emerge out of it. Y'all got that? I'm doing a whole lot of talking. Is there any questions? Any, any whatever? Nothing? Everybody... Everybody good? Ooh, I about swallowed my mint. Do you think? Do you think that um, you know, with the flood and everything, I know that God destroyed everything. 
What is your intake on the creatures that were already in the water? The fish, mm-hmm. like whether they died. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some debate about that. I don't think it. I mean, I don't think it's germane to the the text because the point is that everything <laughs> with life in it died. But the, the you can view either number one, they you know they survived because they were in the water, or number two, they died because there was millions of deadness in the water that polluted and you know you know what happens when you got a dead body floating around in water the water becomes deadly you know because bacteria infested and and all that kind of stuff so it's two schools of thought but we're not exactly told we're not told so you know i can't i can't say this is what happened because the bible doesn't really tell me you know what about the fish and everything that he says here when he talks about the animals coming out of the ark you know is the things that creep on the ground, the birds of the air, and all those kind of things. So, and you know, with this being a picture of salvation, like we've been talking about, it really brings to light in the scriptures where it talks about few will come. Well, out of the millions that were there, only eight were saved. Yeah, only eight. I mean, so that really kind of brings to light when it says only few will come. Only you know. Yeah, and it's even even tighter than that. It's a picture of Jesus. I mean, the whole Bible is a picture of Jesus. Uh, Noah is a he. Noah is a foreshadow, a picture of the true Messiah. Noah's not the true Messiah. We're going to see right after the flood, he sins and messes up. And so he's not the true Messiah. But he's a picture of it because it is, if you've noticed through the text, if we, as we've walked through it from chapter uh, 6, 5, at the end of 5, 6, and that 7, and now 8, uh, it's always Noah's righteousness that... God talks about and it's always because of you I'm going to save this cre- the creation and you he never says you know your sons are righteous therefore I'm going to it's always the one man because of Noah Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and Noah is not the Messiah but he's a picture because the uh, the, tr- the true Messiah Christ is the only one righteous and it's through his righteousness through the father's favor upon him that the world is saved that the world is brought into grace that the world is is given the opportunity to to trust in, in God and trust in Christ and to be saved and so it's it's by this one man he's a picture of this seed that is uh, that's promised to come what what I really want you to see is we're going to walk through all this stuff and this is I, I want to make sure you understand I'm not giving you the the text is not giving us a it's not meant to answer all your questions about how much wood Noah used or this neat thing about the flood and all this stuff. It is a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of salvation. And so that is kind of the direction we're going to we're going to continue to go in. It's a picture of this new creation, which ultimately is going to end in the perfect recreation of all things. Um, but we're seeing, we're tracing the line of the seed. That's kind of the theme of Genesis. It, it, as, even as we go through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you're going to see that the seed, we're going to see it in the next chapter. Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, but only one, Shem, is going to be the line through which the seed is going to come. And you're going to see that over and over again. Abraham's going to have two, Ishmael and Isaac, but only Isaac is the seed. Isaac's going to have Jacob and Esau, but only Jacob is the seed. And then Jacob's going to have all his 12, you know, 12 kids, you know, but besides going to come through Judah. Over and over again, we're tracing the line 
sign of God's promise to bring forth this seed that is going to fix the mess that Adam has put us in or that we've all put ourselves in. He's going to fix the creation through this seed. And that's what's going on here is we're, we're not just talking about these neat deals about Abraham and, you know, all this kind of stuff. We're talking about tracing the line of the seed. God is fulfilling his promise through these people. Everybody got that? Everybody understand? All right. So this is what happens as the flood goes away. Verse four, it says, and the ark rested on the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains, plural, of Ararat, not the mountain of Ararat. That means there is a mountain of Ararat. It's in eastern Turkey. So it's not that mountain. It's that mountain range. So, you know, you can't pinpoint that it was on this mountain. It was that range of mountains, mountains, plural, that the earth, the ark came to rest. What month is it? The seventh month. When did Noah go in the ark? The second. Second. How many, how many months has Noah been in the ark? Five months. How many days is that? 150. Is that 150 days? What's five times 30? They had a lunar calendar. It was 30. 150. You go, girl. 150 days. That's right. It does say. It does. You're right. Let me ask you a question more than about there. You see it on maybe on the History Channel on these biblical shows where it said maybe this is the ark. Is that the the mountain that they're showing that picture on? Is that the mountain that that the mountain range? Yeah, yeah. The, they've I've seen those things. I don't, I don't. I'm skeptical about any about anything biblical I see on the History Channel or the Discovery Channel. So I don't I don't put much stock in in, in all in all that. Right. I, I mean, it's possible possible they might find it one day, but I mean, I doubt it. I'm, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, they might. They might, but I mean, it's made out of wood. Yeah, it's made out of wood. It's probably, yeah. So who knows? But I do believe, listen, it was real and it really happened. So whether they find a board from Noah's Ark or not, it doesn't change the fact that the Holy Scripture says that it was so and so, therefore it was so. And so it says, and, it came, uh, and the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. Okay, how many, how many, how long has Noah been in the Ark? Eight months. Eight months he's been in the ark. See, we have a picture. Sometimes we think, you know, Noah's in the ark for 40 days, 40 nights, and then he got out. No, no, he's in there a lot longer than that. It only rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but he's still in the ark. The, the ark came to rest on these mountains, but the, 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 the earth is still flooded. So he's just hanging out in the ark <laughs> with all the animals. It says, and the, and the water decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Okay, the water's going down. And the, see the tops of the mountains. I'm going to try to blow through this midsection so we can get to the end. <coughs> and he sent forth, oh no, and it came to pass at the end of 40 days, 40 days after 10 months, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Now, everybody remembers the dove. Nobody remembers the raven. Have you ever, you heard the story? Nobody remembers the raven. He sent a raven first and then he sent a dove three times. Nobody ever remembers the raven. I don't know why. Everybody always remembers the dove. But he did send a raven. What it, what's going on here? And there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of spiritualizing that happens with the raven and the doves, like the raven symbolizes the evil leaving the creation and, and the dove is the... 
Okay, whatever. I think, you know, I, that you, I mean, you can make a case for something like that. It's obviously something going on here because Moses has put it in. The, the dove's going to go out three times and the third time not going to come back. Uh, but the, the reality, what I think, what struck me anyway, the raven went out and it says it went to and fro. What that means is, what that means in the text is it went out and came back and went out and came back and went out and came back over and over again. What do ravens eat? Anybody know? Dead things. So what was the raven doing? He was going out eating all the floating bodies everywhere, you know, and coming back. And, you know, he was, that's, that's what he did. Just back and forth, back and forth. Now, when Noah sends out the dove, what do doves eat? They don't eat dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, they eat seeds and green. They, uh, they eat that kind of stuff. Nothing for the dove to eat, so the dove comes back and Noah takes him back in the ark. Now, what struck me, let me just read that text, and then I'll tell you what, what strikes me about all these birds. It says, He sent forth a raven, he did all that, and he sent forth a dove from him see if the wa- to see if the waters were abated from the face of the ground, from the face of the earth. He, that was the purpose of the dove, to see if the water was, was gone enough where they could get out. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot and she returned it to him for the waters were on the face of the whole earth and he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him in the ark and he stayed yet another seven days sent her out again came back and at the dove came in to him in the evening and lo in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked a fresh olive leaf so Noah knew that the waters were abated were diminishing off the earth that means this life has life has begun to grow again life has begun to start again you have a uh, 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 olive leaves don't grow underwater and so there's got to be some land out there where life has started and then he waits another seven days he waits another seven days well that was just his in his uh, in his notice, uh, and he said, another seven days sent forth the dove out of the ark. Dove came into. Oh, I already read that. Twelve says, and he stayed yet another seven days, and he sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. Now, like I said, a lot of speculation, a lot of lot of interpretational stuff about the dove and the raven and what they symbolize and all those kind of things. What strikes me, and you can make a case for that. I'm open to some of that. You know, as long as we don't get crazy. Uh, what strikes me is that what's he doing? He's sending the dove out to see if the water's gone, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer. Have you noticed that God hadn't spoke to him since he went in the ark? Have you noticed that, I mean, what do you think Noah's doing as he's waiting? He's in the 10th month now. 40 days after the 10th month, this is going to be the 11th month, men, 12th month. I'm wondering how Where the man is God? surviving as far as nourishment. You know. Well, it said he gathered enough food when he started. Okay. When he started, and you know, uh, there's other things like the clean animals. You know, he might maybe we we're not told. But if I'm Noah, eleven months in the ark, my patience. Where you no more rain. It ain't rain. It don't rain for forty days, forty nights. And so I'm sitting in the ark in the what was it? The eighth month, tenth month. The ark came to rest. You know, you feel the ark yeah. on the mountain. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to get out. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, no word from God. The next thing God's going to say to Noah is going to be in the second month of the next year, God commanded them to go out of the ark. So what we're seeing here is a picture of, we're seeing Noah's faith, but also 
I don't want to put too much into it because I can't read Noah's mind, but it almost seems like, you know, he's 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 using what he has. You know, he's not just he's not just hunkered down going, woohoo, I wish, you know, he's using the doves to check the water and to see if the, there's life growing and to see, you know, he is using what he has. He's using the means that God has given him, but he's also waiting on waiting on the word from the Lord to to exit the ark. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Uh, so that's kind of what I what I was what I was um, thinking when I was reading it was like, <clears throat> like I'm gonna send out this dove. Okay, God, tell me what's going. Tell me what's going on. But you know, God don't work that way sometimes. A lot of times, God, he, he when it's time, he's gonna say, okay, now go. But a lot of times he, we're waiting on him going, well, just tell me what you're going to do. Well, that's not how I work. That's not how faith works. I think maybe he's, he's just trying to satisfy his own head. Well, he's, yeah, he's trying to see if the water's gone yet. Right. Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? How many of y'all have prayed that way? Is it time yet? I mean, okay, I'm ready. You know, I'm not saying that's, you know, smarting off the God or anything. I'm just saying... You're pleading with God. Okay, come on. I, please do this for me. I'm ready, you know. And it's not time. It's not time. And even after, listen, here's the funny thing is it says, okay, the 10th month is when the ark came to rest, right? No, it rested in the 7th month. Okay, and then by the 10th month, the water was decreasing. And that's when he started. So the ark was resting for three months between the 7th and the 10th. On the mountain, and Noah's just sitting there, waiting. Is the time yet? Is the time yet? So he sends out these. The, the raven sends out the doves. Uh, the dove finally comes back with a with a leaf in his mouth. And if you're Noah, the dove, dove comes back with an olive leaf. How are you feeling? Woo! It's time to go. It's time to get out. Yay! And so he sends him out. A week later, dove doesn't come back. It's we're almost there. We're almost there. The dove has found him a place to roost. The dove has found him a, some land to get on. And she's she's rocking it in the new world or whatever, you know, having fun. So Noah's thinking, look, it's good. I'm I, we're, we're out of here. We're, we're able to get, you know, get done. But it says uh, he stayed for another. No dove came into him evening. Olive leaf. What verse are we in? 13. Yeah, 13. And it came to pass in the 600th day, the 600th, in the 601st year, in the first month of the first day, the first day of the new year, it says, the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. He removed the covering, first day of the first month, and he looked and the ground was dry. The ground was dry, right? Okay. So it says, and in the second month, on the 20, on the 7th and 20th day, 27th day of the month, the earth was dried, completely dried. And then 15, God spoke to Noah, finally. How long was Noah in the ark? 374 days. What'd you do? Add it up? Yeah, we, yeah. Is that right? It's a year and ten days. A year and ten days. Yep. How long did y'all go? It was a year. Noah's in the ark for a year. For a year. 
Noah opened the window, the skylight, whatever you'll call it. He stuck, he stuck, he stuck, yeah, you know it is, thank you. He stuck his head out and the earth was dry on the first day of the first month of the new year. If you're Noah, what are you thinking? Hallelujah. It's time! <laughs> How long did Noah stay in after that? Another month. Another month and 27 days. Almost two months. Or it is two months. So he stayed a year and two months. A year and... Ten days. year and ten days. Remember, he went in on the second, second month. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second month. He went in the second month, yeah. Days. He came out the next year in the second month. And so I'm thinking, I mean, God is telling... God is over and over again telling Noah... Wait, wait, it's not time, wait, it's not time, it's not time yet. He's not saying that, I'm just saying Noah has to wait. Noah didn't close the door, Noah can't open the door, Noah has to wait. Noah sticks his head out, the earth is dry. Praise the Lord, let me out of the boat, man. A month and 27 days he stays in the boat. And then God commanded and said, Go out from the ark. It's verse 15. And God spoke unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that was with thee of all flesh, both fowl, cattle, creeping things upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Does that language sound familiar? Yeah. Be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Where have you heard it before? With Adam and Eve. With Adam and Eve. What's going on here? God is establishing the same mandate that he gave to Adam and Eve and the animals in the garden. He's mandating them now to Noah and the animals in the new creation. God has started over. And we're going to see in the next chapter, next week when we get to it, that God is going to establish some laws now that this everything is restarted that is going to keep the earth from getting as violent as it once was remember in chapter 6 he said there was violence on the earth uh, you know we, we take it to mean they were they were killing each other they were just it was the wild wild west and only Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord well in chapter 9 he's going to establish new laws he's going to say now if any man sheds another man's blood by man his blood must be shed he's going to establish this so the earth does not get the way that it was uh, at that time. But, but that's all in chapter 9. So this is the new creation coming forth. He says the animals and all those things be fruitful and multiply. It's implied here that Noah is also and his wife and his sons and his sons' wives are to be fruitful and multiply. Why are they to be fruitful and multiply? Why was Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply? To spread what over the earth? God's image. God's image. They're image bearers. They are supposed to spread God's image over the face of the entire creation. That was the original plan. Of course, sin messed it up and everything got messed up. Well, now that we are back to the plan. Spread my image all over all over creation. Spread the image of God. We're going to see this here. Noah messes it up. Noah's sons messes, messes it up. Canaan is going to get cursed. And then Abraham is going to be God's man. And Abraham is going to mess it up. And then Jacob. And Jacob's going to mess it up. And Israel is a nation. And they're going to mess it up. And finally, out of Israel, he's going to bring one who is God and man, who is going to finally get it right, who's going to finally do what man cannot do. And he is going to satisfy the covenant of God. God, and he is going to offer salvation to the world. And once you're saved, what are you called to do? 
Go and make disciples of all the nations. What does that do? Spreads the image of God over the creation. Do you see the, the, see the linkage between the Old and the New Testament and this plan that God has to spread the image? And there's going to come a day when Jesus returns, creation is dissolved, and there's a new heavens and new earth where there will be nothing but God's image in all mankind and all people will live together. Make sense? Put it all together. It's That's why we... We're talking about the storyline of the Bible. We're not just going through and saying, hey, Noah built a boat. It goes with the story of what God's doing. And so it says, every beast, Noah went out with his sons, 18, every beast of the field, his wife, his sons, you know, all that, all that. And it says, what's the first thing Noah did after he came out of the ark into the new creation? He built an altar. This is the first place in scripture where an altar is mentioned. First place in scripture where someone built an altar to the Lord. Now, there was worship before Noah. I'm not saying there wasn't. We've seen the line of Seth. They all called upon the name of the Lord. But this is the first time that an altar is built. And it sets a pattern. You're going to see Abraham building altars. You're going to see Jacob building altars. You're going to see uh, all those things building altars to worship God. All the way up until the tabernacle and the temple and all those kind of things. But this is the prototype. This is the, the first thing. And what does Noah do at the altar? He takes from every clean beast that he bought. Remember, brought, not bought, but brought. Remember how many clean beasts there were? Yeah. Did Noah just take animals two by two? No. No. He took seven pairs of each clean animal, one pair of unclean animals. And so he takes from each of these clean animals, and we see the purpose as to why right here. To sacrifice for the Lord as they come out of the ark. They, he worshipped. He wor- the first thing, the, f- the reason, the reason why we are here, the reason why we are saved, the reason why God is spreading his image over the face of the earth is so man will worship him. He will, we become worshipers when we become his children. We desire to worship. We have a heart that wants to worship. And that's what, that's what Noah does. He sacrifices these animals, gives them as burnt offerings. How did he, because it has not been said yet, how did Noah know which ones was clean and which ones were not? Because that has not been mentioned yet. Right. Well, remember, Moses is writing this, and he's writing it in the time, and he and he had already had he he had already had the laws. But we have to we have to assume that uh, Noah when, when it says clean and unclean, don't think of food laws yet, okay? Because that's not what he's what he's clean and unclean means fit for sacrifice. And we see all the way from uh, Abel, Cain and Abel. Remember, Abel brought the firstlings of his. So it, it was it was given in there what was to be offered for the Lord. We're not really talking about clean and unclean, as in food sacrifices, what you're allowed to eat, what's you know shellfish and all that kind of stuff. All that's going to come in a little later. We're talking about clean as appropriate to offer before God. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, let's wind her up. It says, he worshiped, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. This is really important, these last few verses, and they're very interesting to me. It says, he offered them as a whole burnt sacrifice. The Lord smelled the sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, 
Remember, a lot of, a lot of times we get, and I, I do too sometimes, you think that this is where the Lord says, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. The Lord did not say that to Noah. He said that in his heart. He's going to say it to Noah in the next chapter. He's going to say, this is my covenant with you. I will never again flood the earth. He's going to say it to Noah. But here he says it in his heart. Now what you see here, what you see here, this is a picture of God's mercy. And let me tell you why I said, of course it's mercy when he says, I'm never going to destroy anything again. But he uses the same phrase. I mean, the exact same language that he used back in Genesis chapter 6. You remember what he said in Genesis chapter 6? In chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And what did God decide to do? Because all of man's intentions and imaginations of his heart were evil, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to destroy everything. Well, here what you see is even after the flood, the problem of sin is not dealt with yet. The problem of a sinful heart is not dealt with yet. But God says, he says, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. He says the exact same thing. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. The same phrase that he said before, he says again. But now instead of saying the imagination of his heart is evil uh, from the very beginning, so I'm going to destroy it. Now he says the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth. But I'm not going to destroy him ever again. I'm not going to. I'm going to give him grace. I'm going to give him mercy. I'm going to relent of this destruction. And he is going to, of course, bring forth the seed. But do you see that that mercy man is, we're going to see, especially in the next, at the end of the next chapter, Noah is going to mess up bad. And Noah's son is going to mess up really bad and be cursed for the rest of his life. The problem of sin, yes, we've wiped out all creation and we started over with one guy and his family and all the animals. But the problem is still there. The root problem, the cause, the heart, sin is still in the creation. And so God says, look, I'm not going to destroy the earth anymore. He's going to say that in the next chapter. But he says in his heart, which means God is, God is thinking to himself, basically, I'm going to give man mercy. I'm going to give him grace. Like this, Jason. It, I, I might be dead wrong on this, but it's like God looked back and said, kind of like a father to discipline his own children. I might have been too harsh with that. And I can't do that again. I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm. he's too harsh. He's thinking that he's too harsh because that would imply that he did something wrong or made a mistake. Well, well I don't want to say that, but it's, it's kind of like... It's like I can't just keep destroying right. and start over. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Right, I guess that's what I'm saying. The only thing that I would... I'm the only thing. bad kid. Well, I'm just going to get rid of this one and I'll have another one. <laughs> I've thought I that before. <laughs> no, I haven't really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's... he's you just... You keep the balance, though. The only thing I would say is you got to keep the balance because God would be right. 
to destroy right. again. Exactly. I guarantee he'd be he'd be right to do so. But in his own love, in his own grace, his own mercy, he is chosen not to do so. And he even says in the last verse, and this is where we'll end. It says, "While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease." Basically, what he's saying is, from now until the time that I say it's enough and I end it, everything's going to go right on like it's going. Everything's going to, it's going to be seed time and harvest. So don't freak out when all the eco warriors talk about man killing the planet and all that stuff. I mean, we're supposed to be good stewards of the planet, but the planet's going to keep on turning until God says enough. Don't freak out about who's got a nuclear weapon and we're going to blow up the world with it. The planet's going to keep turning until God says it's enough. He says until he until he brings it to an end, it's going to be seed time and harvest. It's going to be day and night. It's going to be winter and summer. It's going to keep on going until God says it's enough. It'll always keep rolling. And so he's he's showing us his he's showing us his mercy here. The same words he used to condemn man, the imagination of his heart is evil. Is the same words he uses here to say, I'm going to give grace to man because the imagination of his hearts is evil. And we see that over and over again, perfectly pictured in Christ. Because even though the imaginations of man's heart is evil, Jesus, us being sinners, came and he died while we were yet sinners to save us from our sin. That makes sense? Y'all with me? The next scene we're going to see in chapter 9 next week is the first, like the first seven, I hadn't decided yet. I, I don't know yet if we're going to do the whole chapter or just half and half because the first 17 verses is God's covenant with Noah. And that probably deserves a its own deal to talk about the covenant with Noah. And then the last part of chapter 9 is going to be Noah's sin and the sin of his sons and how that all how that all plays out. So we will see next week that God makes a covenant with, with Noah, but man's sinful heart is still there. You know, there's still the curse is still still upon the land. You know, one thing that you put in your outline that I, th- I thought was really profound is you said sacrifice is not used to earn God's salvation. They were already saved. Yes. Uh, sometimes people will say... Um, that God said, I won't destroy the earth because Noah offered the worship at the, at the altar. To, and I don't think that's the case because Noah didn't, Noah didn't worship in order to earn salvation. Noah had just been saved. He had just come out of salvation. He had already been saved by God's grace, and so he worshiped. That's good. That's yes. good stuff. In, in, in 13, when it says that Noah removed the covering of the ark, does that mean that he opened the door, or does that mean he just removed a cover off the ark? Yeah. I, he didn't open the door. He, the Remember it told us he built a skylight. He built a thing. Yeah, the he removed that. I'm thinking lower, middle, and upper decks. 